Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I've told you this before and I'll keep telling you this. My sister, a 25-year, highly decorated domestic violence prosecutor, says don't believe all women and don't believe all men. In fact, she saved a very popular IU football player from a rape charge by not believing the woman. Lindsey Hill is the accused in the Trevor Bauer case. And in my opinion, I'm not believing a word he sa she says. I'm believing Trevor Bauer. If you don't like it, stay tuned. You'll end up believing him too. Don't at me starts right now. Hey, good morning. I gave you a little thumbnail of my background. Look, any intelligent person understands you don't believe one side or the other 100% of the time. When we're talking about a criminal case, Trevor Bauer, the disgraced, and he has been disgraced, pitcher of the Los Angeles Dodgers, is fighting like crazy to get his career, but more importantly, his name back after a woman named Lindsey Hill uh, shamed him, charged him, publicly came out, tried to get him thrown in jail for sexual assault. Now, Bauer came with a video that he could only get information, evidence, from filing a court case. He filed it, he got the evidence, he shared it in a four-minute video a couple days ago, which, among other things, showed the accuser, Lindsey Hill, in bed with him, being very, very happy. Very, very happy. No noticeable bruises, nothing that looked anything out of the ordinary, but let me, before we go to Lindsey Hill's rebuttal to that, her response to that, I got to tell you, Bauer brought crazy into his life. You don't bring crazy into your life. I told my sons this. We had talks with my sister, a 25-year domestic violence prosecutor, about this. Bauer brought immaturity and crazy into his life because of his immaturity and his crazy. And frankly, let's be honest. Guys think with their penises, it's what we do. You can say we don't, you can act like you don't, we can try not to, but we do. That's not an excuse, that's a fact, Jack. And Bauer ended up in the sack with a young lady because, well, frankly, he thought with his penis. And when you do that and you don't vet and you're a highly publicized individual making as much as $61 million over your career, guess what? People might have ulterior motives. So, Bauer shares a video. He shares very damning text messages which seem to point out that Lindsey Hill, the woman, was after his money, a gold digger, trying to get in there. Well, then he showed a video. After a night of what was supposed to be sex abuse, sexual beatings and punchings and all this stuff, I don't know, she seemed pretty happy in the video, pretty content. Bauer was sleeping with a thing, a mask. She was sleeping there, well, 
making Snapchat videos for her friends showing that she was in the sack with a Major League Baseball pitcher. Here was her rebuttal yesterday with a guy named Alan Stein. It was completely moronic. And this is, you know, exactly what Trevor wanted to do was random pick three or four texts and weave it into a narrative where I just look horrible. Um, but so, you know, when I explained that and in, in my deposition and different things, um, I'm like you. I like to joke. I'm very sarcastic, sometimes inappropriate. Anyone who knows me will know that. Um, and these are private, you know, text messages with my friends. And uh, agreed, victim is not the word there. My past, I've been involved with um, other baseball players. Uh, that was my world at the time. And it was a funny way. You know, I had already dated baseball players. And it was a funny, sarcastic way to say, oh, here's the next one, you know, that I'm going to try to get attention from and it was a lot of ego and you know attention seeking behavior which is what I can own and what he can't do is own any part but I can totally own the the attention seeking behavior um but these texts you know in a grand scheme don't address what happened at all this was before any of you know our interactions or anything like that you know my friend saying can't wait for you to be a rich baseball wife there was never text that intermingled violence with finances or anything like that. It was just a way for them to weave this narrative. Yeah, and then she was asked about the bruises and she tried to tell people, well, hey, look, the lighting was bad. And that's all fine, the lighting was bad or whatever, but the contented look on her face from Bauer's video tells anybody that's reasonable, this is crap. This is complete crap. You know, but again, you bring crazy into your life. Guess what you're going to get? You're going to get crazy. You bring religion into your life. Guess what you're going to get? Religion. There is nothing about this woman that is believable. She was, like many people, starstruck. She wanted to be a part of the scene. She had been a part of the scene. And some dirtbag pitcher for the San Diego Padres, I'm not even going to say his name, forced her or told her, hey, look, Go after Trevor Bauer next. And Bauer was dumb enough to figure it out. This woman should be in jail. I mean, all the normal ESPNers, the Sarah Spains of the world, can say that those of us defending Bauer worship athletes. I don't give a rat's ass about an athlete. Not even a little bit. And don't believe women. Well, guess what? I don't in all cases. I'll say that very publicly. Maybe a couple years ago, you couldn't say that. But I don't believe all women. You can believe all women. 330, 40 million people on this planet. We're not all going to think alike. As I said, my sister, a star football player in Indiana, little white girl comes in to accuse the big black guy of rape. Yeah? The little white girl's crying with daddy. Yeah? Guess what? She didn't know that the kid, the football player, had taped the encounter. Not the most uh, great thing to do, but it saved him. Little girl's daddy leaves the room. My sister shows the video to the little white girl accusing the big bad black guy of rape. Guess what happens? Very consensual. My sister says to the young lady, would you like me to bring your father in to show you this or are we done here? Well, of course they were done there. This is crap what happens. Don't tell me that we're supposed to believe anybody. I'm not believing all dudes. I'm not saying that Trevor Bauer didn't do anything wrong. I don't know, but I've seen a video of the morning after where she did, I don't, maybe she had bruises. Maybe she did. Apparently she did. But hey, that look of contentment and I got over on this guy on her face in that video, were I a juror 
I would never, ever, ever convict Bauer of anything with that look of contentment. And this woman is completely full of crap. Now, I don't know what I'm supposed to do relative to what I'm supposed to shame or not shame, but I know this, it's a damn shame that this happens in this world, and it happens more than you think. We all see the headline. We all see the headline about everybody. Did you know, and I think he's a rotten dude, great actor, but a rotten dude. Did you know Kevin Spacey got off on all of these charges that were so dramatically put out there? I think he's a dirtbag. I don't want to watch anything unless he goes back to House of Cards. He was pretty good in that. But nobody wants to report that. Did you know there was a woman with the athletic named Molly Knight? Molly Knight in the court documents reported that the woman who videotaped herself in bed next to Bauer with a look of contentment and no bruises nowhere, she wrote that she had a fractured skull. Now believe that. She wrote that without any evidence at all of a fractured skull. Now, you go to Molly Knight on the internet and her tweets are protected. Of course they are. Now, to the athletics credit, they fired her. Of course they did. They should. We'll read soon how Molly Knight, remember I told you this, is some crazy victim. Look, when you bring an alcoholic groupie into your home, you are inviting crazy. And good for Lindsay Hill for being a recovering alcoholic. Good for her. But she should be in jail. She should be in jail right this minute. She should have to pay back. Major League Baseball should issue an apology. They should reinstate Trevor Bauer and say, we are going to back pay you. That'll never happen. The last part was kind of stupid, but the fact of the matter is Major League Baseball should reinstate Major League Baseball and the Dodgers should issue an apology, as should Molly Knight, as should ESPN. Hell, ESPN actually, actually, and I guess it's factually correct, I, I suppose, So, you know, they've got lawyers, they've got smart people, they're doing things, but they actually put a headline out after this, more blaming Bauer. This is what ESPN did. I'm going to try to find this here. It just hit me how stupid this was. But ESPN put out, let me find it, where is it? Former Major League Baseball pitcher Trevor Bauer and a woman who accused him of beating and sexually assaulting her in 2001 have settled their legal dispute. Now, some of you are going to say, well, that's what she did. Yeah, right, but that's a misleading headline. Why do we put that headline? Why would we do that? Why wouldn't we be more honest? I said, let me correct it for you, former Major League Baseball pitcher Trevor Bauer and a crazy woman (coughs) that falsely accused him of sexual assault and should go to jail in 2001 have settled their legal dispute. I fixed it for ESPN. You, ladies and gentlemen, are welcome. It's absurd. And of course, the normal idiots are going to tug on the whole 2000 and Me Too movement where, oh my God, we can't say anything bad about a woman. Yeah? Then you don't know women. My ass. Period. Period. Speaking of this, 
The owner of the Las Vegas Raiders is telling fans to smarten up. I'm telling reporters to smarten up. Look, the enemy of the state is certainly looking to be the government. <coughs> certainly could be professors. But God, the media is the enemy of the state. It is. So, in a TikTok video, Raiders fans were harassing. Mark Davis, about when was he going to fire Josh McDaniels? He told him to smarten up. Let's listen to the bull-haired one. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, he's probably right. They should smarten up, but he should smarten up, too. Josh McDaniels has America's most punchable face. He does. I'm sorry. And he can't coach blind turkeys to take a dump. Maybe he's a great offensive coordinator, but, hell, I think I could have been a great offensive coordinator with Tom Brady. My, uh, Josh McDaniels is a joke. He's easy to criticize, and, frankly, he won't be there after this year. Look, here's the deal. I've always said this. Everybody's got an ego. I don't care. We all talk about the players or the coaches, their ego. General managers have an ego. Vice presidents have an ego. The owner has an ego. Everybody's got an ego. And when the owner has to sit there and he can't have peace in the box that he's sitting at now, that's a problem. That's a problem for the coach. That's a problem for the players. Good for Mark Davis for at least publicly defending his coach. You know when you're in that situation, cameras are going to be on you. You absolutely know this. But I got to tell you, the owner doesn't want this. The owner doesn't need this. The owner wants peace. The owner wants to go to his cocktail parties or go to his stadium and say, wow, look at what a great guy I am because of the people that I hired. Look how happy everybody is because we're winning. Well, guess what? That happened. Good for Davis defending McDaniels, but it is the first step other than the losses, other than that, to the end of Josh McDaniels in L. Hey, meanwhile, Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs, he who got himself a little bit of a contract, he joined star Devontae Adams in frustration over the poor play. I love when players complain about the team's poor play. You're the players. You're the guys. What are you doing? You are the people playing. I always hear, man, it's coaches. It's players. Players play. Coaches coach. Okay. Well, you're the damn players. You're the star players. And you stinks. Here's Josh Jacobs joining in with Devontae Adams. For me, it's frustrating, man. I'm tired of losing. Just keep it 100. I'm tired of losing, man. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel like every day I go in there and I, and I work. So, so eventually something got to give. The fact that it's close. Is it like, okay, we're right there, or is it just even Nah, man, that make it worse. <laughs> that make it worse, man, because that, that just means, you know, five to six plays, you do them right. Difference in the outcome of the game. But, it's, but at the same time, you're tired of saying five or six plays, difference in the outcome of the game. It's just time to do that. Let me see if I understand this right. You hold out, you bitch whine and moan, you cause a commotion in the offseason, and now you're a little bit surprised that you're not winning. Really? I've told you this before. Brad Stevens, then the coach at Butler, and I were having a conversation about athletics, about coaching, about teaching, about winning. Brad made an interesting comment about why, one of the reasons why they had success at Butler. 
That reason, he said, was because everybody, whether it is administrators, janitors, secretaries, the other coaches, everybody in their building, Hinkle Fieldhouse, was pushing in the same direction. It's hard to win. And when your star running back is walking out during OTAs, won't participate, and you're not uber talented, guess what? Other teams that don't have that crap or have less of that crap are usually going to beat you. Now, if you're uber talented, you do whatever the hell you want to do, man. If you're uber talented, make sure you show up, make sure you keep up, and make sure you work hard and you'll win big. But when you're not an uber-talented team, and make no mistake, the Raiders are not, that's what happens. Hey, look, Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer and Michigan State. There's a report out there from uh, from a guy in Michigan, actually a Fox Sports radio host, that is saying Urban Meyer is interviewing at Michigan State. I'm connected, he says. Yeah, look, I haven't talked to Urban, but I know this. There ain't a chance in hell Urban's going to look at Shelly Meyer and go, hey, Shelly, guess what? We're taking the Michigan State job. Yeah. We're going to take the Michigan State job, pack up our beautiful, incredible home right on the ocean in Sarasota, and we're going to East Lansing. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? There is not a chance. I laughed when I saw it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Hey, maybe Michigan State, I don't know. Maybe they talked to him about consulting, hiring somebody. I have no idea. But I know this based on what I know, and I'll talk to Urban later this afternoon, I'm sure. But, hey, Shelly, we're going to East Lansing. See, you guys in, in, went to Michigan State think that East Lansing, some kind of college town, East Lansing is a truck stop. That's it. It's a truck stop that you run away from as fast as you can unless you're inbred in the state of Michigan like my boy Izzo is. Hey, honey, we're going to go north to East freaking Lansing. Yeah, Dan, even me. Hey, hey, hey Lee. They're going to hire me for $2 million in East Lansing to do something. You know what their answer would be after I took the knife out of my neck? Have a great time there, big boy. It's a truck stop. That's all East Lansing is. But speaking of coaches, here is the reasons maybe you do coach. Highest coaches' salaries, right? Highest coaches' salaries. Number one, Nick Saban. Nick Saban's making 114 million dollars. Hell, the 407 is pretty good. We'll take the 407. That's $407,000 a year. We'll take that bad boy. Dabo Sweeney, damn near at 11. Kirby Smart, damn near at 11. Ryan Day, pretty good if you can get the job. 10,271,000. Hey, look at the tugger on there. Hey, the tugger, baby. You know, everybody's down on Brian Kelly. He, I don't know. What was their run to the SEC championship game worth last year? Probably worth $9 million in advertising. Probably worth $9 million in sales. Probably worth $9 million or $10 million. I guess he's just under 10 Probably worth $10 million in terms of donations, enrollments. People got to see, hey, It's fun to play at LSU. We go to the SEC championship game in the coach's first year. You can say none of these guys are worth it. And I I, I would say to you, Mel Tucker, again, where from? Michigan State. Where at? East Lansing. What is it? A freaking truck stop. Now, 
if you are going to get Urban Meyer, guess who's going to be number one? And it ain't going to be Saban. All right, here we go. There's more. Jimbo Fisher, nine. Mark Stoops, nine. Heupel, nine. Kiffin, nine. Franklin, nine. I mean, in comparison for what he's done the last couple years, I hesitate to say this, but Jim Harbaugh is a little bit underpaid. Jim Harbaugh feels a little bit underpaid to me. Never thought I would say it. America's crazy is underpaid. I guess. I mean, what the hell? I mean, I'm looking at Franklin. Nope. Kiffin. I mean, I think Harbaugh should be higher paid. What's he been worth bringing Michigan to the Big Ten title game two years in a row, getting into the the, uh, playoffs, college football playoffs? Uh, I guarantee you, Michigan has made more than the $8.25 million that they're playing in because of Harbaugh's success. That's all I'm saying. This is the weirdest story anywhere, and i got to have you follow this. A couple weeks ago, Sergio Brown, former NFL player, including here with the Colts, played at Notre Dame, kid from Maywood, Illinois. His mother was found dead in Illinois. She was found in a ditch. Sergio Brown, man, he was nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Shows up in Mexico. Yeah sends video of himself in Mexico looking crazy. Well, in that video, he accuses anyone from the local police to the FBI to kill to the government to killing his mother. Look, only suspect I've heard of is Sergio Brown. If it were you or me, I guess, I don't even know. I would think that the police would say, hey, look, Mexico, Go to that city, arrest this clown, and let's make a move. We're going to extradite him, at least talk to him. Or let, or we're going to come down there and talk to him. Nothing's happened on that front. And yesterday, oddly, weirdly, Sergio Brown's sick, and this is really sad. He's out here celebrating. Look at him. That's Sergio Brown. Look at him. All right, Sergio, looking terrible. Like, what are we doing? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if there's audio. Is there audio to this? I'll stop talking. But, hey, his mother his mother just got killed. And he's got some hoochie mama dancing with him. And look at this. His mother just got killed. Look at these two. Aren't they beautiful? Oh, yeah. that's. I want to back up into that. Yeah. Sergio Brown. I don't know why he hadn't been at least brought in. Maybe he has, but I've followed this, and I have not seen where he has. You know, our friend Bobby Barak. Bobby Barak is incredible. Bobby Barak is America's conscious. Bobby Barak is the guy that is unafraid to take on racists. He's unafraid to take on basically anybody, anytime, anywhere. And Bobby Barak wrote an article, and in that article he details He absolutely details why the media or how the media is so anti-Josh Allen and so incredibly racist. Like, Josh Allen had a bad game to start the year. Stephen A. Smith called him no longer an elite quarterback. Stephen A. Smith black. Ryan Clark declared the Bills cannot win a Super Bowl with Allen. He's black. New radio host. Chris Canty, who I actually tried to watch this morning and I worked with, and he's a really nice guy, said, the Bills are not a playoff team with Josh Allen, despite the Bills making the playoffs the last four years with Josh Allen. America's racist, Kendrick Perkins, who's black, 
accused the media of covering up Allen's struggles. Robert Griffin III, who's black, claimed that Josh Allen has hurt the team more than he has helped the team. Is this unbelievable? I mean, that was after one game. That was after one game. That was what these clowns came up with. And they are clowns, make no, make, make no mistake. You can say whatever you want. You can, you can paint it any, any picture you want. But that's what these guys are saying. The Josh Allen media bias is incredible to me. It's not surprising to me because what has happened at ESPN is ESPN has totally, completely embraced the black versus white, the white versus black narrative on all athletes. They have. So everybody there, the black, the black analysts, are very comfortable, very comfortable going after white guys. Very comfortable. And very comfortable being stupid about it. Now, nobody is saying Josh Allen's the greatest quarterback ever, except the media did paint him. But I think you can make the argument that you're going to make the playoffs with him. I think. It seems to me that you're going to make the playoffs if you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, because why? Oh, you know why? Let me tell you why. They have for the last four years. And it isn't anything to do with, well, you treat Lamar Jackson this way. No, it just simply has to do with Josh Allen and how he is playing. And by the way, side note to all of this, Josh Allen's been pretty damn good. I mean, pretty damn good the last, oh, I don't know, since the first week. But you know what? You're not going to hear that because these folks are racist. They are complete racist. They have nothing to bring to the table except for racism, although I will say that Robert Griffin III, uh, he brings stupidity. I mean, you got to admire a guy that when he's not bringing racism, he's bringing stupidity. It's a deadly combination. You can't win the Super Bowl. This damn Josh Allen man, said Kendrick Perkins and his eighth grade education, he's a walking turnover, and people has more excuses for him than a brother going to jail. Carry the hell on. That's his tagline. Carry the hell on. Somebody named Kimberly Smith, well, I know she is. She's the one that talks over everybody. And she does all that stuff. And she is ridiculous. She tried to say, well, we should, we should be criticizing Josh Allen more. And of course, Jalen Hurts is a victim. He's the most disrespected player in the NFL. Except that he's the highest paid player at that time in the NFL. The other disrespected player was Lamar Jackson. Mar Jackson, disrespected in the NFL, was made, oh, I don't know, the highest paid player over the other disrespected. She's an idiot. She is. Uh, yeah. But she's not even fun to watch. I thought maybe she'd be interesting until she kept talking over people. I think she's a writer. Well, whatever, but she's an idiot. And again, I've told you this before, all these women at ESPN that are in 
the makeup room and all around it, complete and utter chaos. Oh, wait, there's more from some guy named Dominic Foxworthy. I would be 100% lying if I said that when Josh Allen does something dumb, a little part of me, a little part of me gets happy. Bobby Brack adroitly points out, what if Dan Orvlosky admitted that, well, every time Lamar Jackson screwed up, a little part of me gets happy. Well, he would be perceived as a racist. And as a white dude, you better be very, 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 very careful. Monty Jones argued that Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen tear America apart around late racial lines. I got to tell you, I pay attention to this. The only people it's tearing apart along racial lines is Bamani Jones. Josh Allen, I think, has moved beyond. I mean, if you want to compare him, I guess you got to compare him to Patrick Mahomes, but he has a white mama, so that doesn't play. All right, Armando's going to join us next. I got some questions about Miami. I got questions. Hey, the great Tom Glavin is going to join us. Can't wait. Tom Glavin, Hall of Famer. Atlanta Braves, part of the big three, is going to join. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk what's going on in the postseason. Hey, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Rays fans that 19,000 of you showed up. The lowest attendance for a playoff game since, listen to this, 1919. I wasn't alive in 1919. That tells you how long it's been. Why am I wearing the same shirt again? I'm wearing black. I'm wearing black because the Cubs crapped the bed and I wanted to be watching Cubs baseball yesterday, today, tomorrow, whenever the hell they would be playing. They're not. I'm sad. I'm wearing black. We'll be right back. Armando next. Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promos, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, nobody has a pulse on the NFL like Armando does, so I'm going to ask you, there are reports that tomorrow night, if the Bears get beat, that we could see the end of old Matt Eberflus. Historically, the McCaskies have never fired a coach midseason. Um, I understood if they would fire him. I get it as a lifelong Bears fan and a guy that knew Eberflus here and knew he had no shot. But do you think that this is on the table tomorrow night's game? Yeah, that's hard to that's hard to imagine, Dan. And and the reason for that is is twofold. Number one. Typically, when an NFL team makes a change in season, unless it's something that is just 
just disastrous and 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 downright um, on the on the line of catastrophic. Um, they wait until the bye week to do it because it gives them a week to reset. It gives the new coach a week to set himself. And then they come out a week later, you know, with the new coach and the new attitude. The Bears don't have their bye right. week until week 13. Uh, it's not tomorrow night. And I know it would be a mini bye week, right? Because they get 10 days, but it's not a real bye week. So uh, that, that gives me pause. Secondly, I look at the Bears staff. Who's your interim coach? There's nobody on right. there. And maybe this is one of Matt Eberflus's problems. There's no other coach on that staff that has NFL head coaching experience. None. And there is no, like, you know, Yoda head coach on that staff that a lot of rookie head coaches, not named Matt Eberflus, obviously, bring on so that they could, you know, bounce things off of and get advice from and, and tap into their reservoir of experience as a head coach. And Matt Eberflus never had that kind of guy. So obviously it's possible. The Bears are, you know, they're, they're a wreck. They're a car wreck. They, they blew a 28-7 to 7 lead the other day, and everybody thought that that was improvement. And so uh, it, it's, it's terrible, but it, it would be hard, and it would be interesting. It would mean, I think, that the McCaskies, uh, that Ryan Poles would have been looking for an outside kind of coach kind of like what the Indianapolis Colts did last year. And you know how well that went. Well, I was going to say, you know, hey, Armando, I was going to say it's not exactly like the Colts gave a blueprint for how to go outside the organization and do it better. It's not like people are lining up, hey, let's bring Erlacher in here. Let's get Butkus back in the fold here, right? I mean, that ain't happening, and it ain't happening based on a lot of things but one of which is the debacle we had here in Indy. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, come on. No, it's, it, you know, it would have to look like something like, you know, you go outside and, and find a guy. And I'm not certain, and that's where the Chicago Bears um, tradition is. And it's certainly not what they've ever done before. The easiest narrative, and we saw this in Indy, and I started paying attention to it, is that Frank Reich is a developer of quarterbacks. Well, he didn't develop anybody here. He, he really didn't. I mean, he, was, he, he came here, and that's what he talked about. They had Brissett. They got rid of him. He didn't develop him. Then they had Wentz. They, they got rid of him. I mean, you know, and so now he's got Bryce Young. Uh, a lot of people are saying he's holding Bryce Young back. I don't know what's real and what's not real. What's your take on the marriage of Bryce Young, Frank Reich, and Carolina? I think it's a marriage that's about six months in. So, so, so I, I, you know, uh, to make any grand uh, proclamations about it is kind of a little early in my estimation. Obviously, Bryce Young is not playing, like, awesome. 
He is not the be playing as the best rookie quarterback in that class. That right now is C.J. Stroud, who was picked behind him. And, you know, one of Bryce Young's issues pre-draft, which was his size um, and possible durability, has popped up in that he missed a couple of weeks with an ankle injury. And people are going, is he going to be a durable, a durable player? But uh, again, I'm not, I, I get what we in the media want to do, which is to immediately have a take and or uh, some sort of uh, presentation for our content eaters, the people that pay our salaries ultimately. Hey, look, we've come up with this. I've got nothing for you on Bryce Young and, and Frank Reich after four <laughs> games. Uh, I, I'm glad. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I, you I said that. School. I'm on the old school clock. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because we've seen both ways. We've seen hot starts by quarterback. Hell, Robert Griffin, you know, he's the rookie of the year, not Andrew Luck. We've seen slow starts. Hell, I'm going way back to Jim Plunkett coming out as the number one pick. Really struggled. Looked like his career was over, and then he resurrected. I'm with you. That's why I asked you the question, because it feels ridiculous. Now, I will say this. Frank Reich seems to be a little bit under fire. I don't know. But, again, it is early. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, you mentioned, too, what do you think of our guy here in Indy, Anthony Richardson? He's right there with C.J. Stroud. Uh, I agree. You know, some of the things that Anthony, he is a, you can make a highlight reel of Anthony Richardson, any game that he plays and put three plays in there that are just basically otherworldly, unreal, superhuman. The problem with Anthony Richardson is never been that. The problem has been the other you know, 25 throws that he has in the game or the other uh, 56 plays that he plays in the game. Is there a consistency play to play to play to play? And that's what the Colts want and need from Anthony Richardson. And I would say to you that early in the season, earlier in the season, we're still early in the season, but earlier in the season, out of those 55 plays or so, 57 plays, he would have 20 where he was consistent play to play. Now it's maybe 35 or so. So he's improving. He's an arrow up guy, but, uh, and he has always been a dude, how did you do that? Kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, he's a joystick yeah. kind of player where it's like, you know, kind of, he's back and forth and does wacky things. The consistency is what's going to make him great or not. By the way, um, a name pops in my head uh, back to that Chicago Bears talk. Maybe Mike Singletary would be a, you know, a right. candidate. Right. You know, just saying. I mean, hey, uh, I can't win with him. Won't do it. Can't do it. Can't win with him. That was his famous line. Look, I, 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 uh, I'm fascinated by what's, you know, people think, this is the interesting thing about early in the year. And, and by the way, Armando's hosting a great new show called The Five Spot with Donovan McNabb. You can catch it here on all the OutKick 
channels. Uh, the funniest thing to me is how we do overreact. We overreact and we make fun of overreacting. And two weeks ago, the Dolphins were reverting back to the 72 Dolphins. No one was going to touch them, man. Nobody. And then we saw what happened. It's as of all of the sports, of all the major sports, there's no more week-to-week sport than this one right here, and it ain't close. Right. So the Dolphins, they scored 70 points, and immediately they had a nickname, the greatest show on surf, um, I guess playing off of the greatest show on turf of the Rams. The problem is the Rams did it over a couple of years. The Dolphins had done it in one week, uh, and we were all anointing you know, Mike McDaniel as a genius, and we were all saying that Tua was an MVP candidate. And I got to tell you, I was part of that. I was guilty of that because when you see 70 points and it hasn't been done since the NFL merged in 1970, uh, you know, that's a little striking. And then they go to Buffalo, and the Buffalo Bills do the big pump breaks on that and beat the Dolphins by 28 points. So the team that that won, you know, by 50 points the week before lost by 28 the next week and you know they they stopped they didn't stop but they contained Tua and they contained the offense and the Buffalo Bills also exposed the Dolphins defense as something of a fraud. So uh, yeah, you're right. We go back and forth. Guess what, Dan? This week, the Dolphins play the New York Giants. And the New York Giants have been very good at making other teams look great. So we're going to be back probably at the Dolphins are great. <laughs> They're unstoppable this this Sunday. Mark my words. Yeah. Oh, I, I you're preaching to the choir. I know exactly uh, how that's going to go. You know, I, I would say there's a couple surprises in the NFL, like Cincinnati being bad, but Burrow's hurt. You know, I, I, is there any real surprises to you, good or bad, in the NFL right now? Well, I mean, it's surprising to me that the Houston Texans have a rookie in C.J. Stroud that hasn't thrown an interception and is among no. the league leaders in, in yardage. And uh, they're they're – they're trending in a very good direction and their draft this year was we can already tell was something special because CJ Stroud is good and Will Anderson is good and Tank Dell is good, their third round pick. So it's like that's that's a little eye popping. Um I'm gonna give you a surprising thing that that I think will stun you. Um Baker Mayfield is good again. How about that? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's supposed to – he's a bust. He's a first overall pick, and Cleveland didn't want him because they wanted Deshaun Watson, and Carolina didn't want him uh, last year and traded him after, you know, signing him. He's good in Tampa. He, he has reemerged as a, as a guy that – not necessarily elite, but he's going to help you win games – and the Tampa Bay Bucks are three and one, and they're leading their division. So that's a little bit of of a surprise. And then the third thing is, um, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. Is Brock Purdy, who only started five games last year, he's picked up right where he left off, and he leads the NFL in quarterback rating and 
he's he's really good. And I get it. He's got yeah. a lot of talent around him. But we must not forget, he's he was Mr. Irrelevant last year. Uh, the last guy picked in the draft. And he's 9-0 as a starter, starting quarterback in the NFL. I got to leave you by asking, uh, where are you at with Taylor Swift and the NFL and uh, that whole thing? Where are you? Uh, I personally don't care. I think it's okay. I don't care. But uh, where are you at with all that? So I wrote this, this column at outkick.com. I'm, you know, dude, I'm a 60-year-old man. I'm not a Swifty. I will never be a Swifty. Moreover, I know who she is and what she stands for. I will never be about Taylor Swift. And, I, you know, that's my own Wait, personal whoa, 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 whoa. What does she stand for? I don't know this. What does she stand for? Well, I mean, you know, she, she endorsed... A lot of uh, Democrat candidates, she went out there and she is staunchly, you know, pro-abortion. Um, uh, I'm not. <laughs> so yeah. she, no, I get that. She's that. She, she was very anti-Trump. She tweeted at Trump, that they, you know, calling him all sorts of names. Um her music catalog is owned by George Soros. So what does that tell you? Um, right. So those are some of the things she stands for. If you look at her shows, there are parts of her show that have witchcraft elements in it and demonic elements and satanic elements in it that I'm not about. So I, yeah, I don't love that. But that aside, that's all personal, right? Uh, that doesn't make her, you know someone that should be uh, excluded. But I will say this, from an NFL standpoint, when she's in the, you know, the stadium, in her suite, and NBC makes a big deal out of it, the NFL makes a big deal out of it, putting her, her picture on their social media banners on X and on uh, Instagram, it suggests that they're in business together. And then during the game, the Kansas City Chiefs get some obviously weird calls in their favor that turns out giving them a victory. That goes to integrity of the game, and people are questioning whether the NFL is, is tilting the scales in the favor of the team that she's rooting for because there's a business aspect to it. And it's not me, and it's not just me. It's, you know, people on the New York Jets are asking this. People on other teams are asking this. Uh, it, that's not great for the league. That is the other side of Taylor Swift brings, you know, a bunch of teenage girls' attention to the NFL, which, by the way, Teenage girls' attention is fleeting, NFL. So if you think you're building <laughs> fans over the long term, uh, you don't know teenage girls or boys, by the way. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt. Well said. Thanks, Armando. Very well said. Thanks for bringing that perspective. That's good stuff. Yeah, 
That's good stuff. Thanks, Armando. There he is, the great Armando Segura. You can see, uh, excuse me, uh, you can see him. You can read him. You read him at our outkick.com. Absolute sensational stuff that he has. And, you know, the, the deal with Swift is this. I, I, I've always said this, and I will always say this. Um, there is going to be a, well, there's going to be a popular push because she is popular, so her meet, excuse me, I'm sorry, her political thoughts are going to be in play, and all right, that's fine, but the fact of the matter is, um, I don't get my politics from politicians, and I don't get my politics from actors and actresses. The newest edition of The Five Spot with Donovan McNabb and Armando Salguera is up, and it includes, ladies and gentlemen, the future of New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. Hey, uh, listen to this. Donald Trump ain't having it, ladies and gentlemen. No. Donald Trump is saying, hell the phone here. Hang on. Man, hang on, Sloopy. We ain't about this action, boss. Uh, Donald Trump is not happy, and he shouldn't be happy. I mean, did you see the judge in his case? What a freaking goof. The world is upside down. We're putting political prisoners in jail, political opponents. But he unleashed, Donald Trump did, on Latita James before heading into the courtroom for day two of his civil trial. Let's hear from the Trumpster. Judge Angoran has been given false and extremely misleading information. He's been given false information, misleading information, and corrupt information by a very corrupt and incompetent attorney general, Letitia James. This woman is grossly incompetent. She ran on the basis, I will get Trump without knowing anything about me. Yeah, that idiot ran because she, or won, because she was going to, quote, get Trump. She is another diversity hire. She is a corrupt diversity hire that is absolutely 1,000% against the American way. That is not how we're supposed to do things here. You shouldn't get into political office by saying outwardly, I am going to take down the president of the United States or the former president of the United States. We have become I don't know, a banana republic, an idiot republic. We've become a, a prisoner to diverse stupidity in some ways. And you're seeing it with this Latita James. There's no way in hell she should be in any type of office running on a platform of I'm going to take down the president of the United States or the 45th president or the former president. She's a joke. She's ridiculous. And she should be out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made all the little media guys get all crabby. They made him get sad. He did by calling Travis Kelsey names. That's right. Travis Kelsey was called. Well, I'll let Aaron Rodgers call it. Didn't have a crazy game. And, uh, you know, Mr. Pfizer, we kind of shut him down a little bit. He didn't have, you know, his like crazy impact game. Obviously, he had, you know, some yards and stuff, but I felt like for the most part, you know, we played really tough on defense, especially the last three quarters. And Well, you know, that made all of the little, oh, I don't know, that made all of the little media guys mad. Oh, my God. Randy Scott 
who is a weird dude. I never was comfortable with Randy Scott on my TV or sitting down with him. He, well, it must be nice being the smartest guy in the room. Elite journalists and actors are all upset. They're all upset. Oh, my God. Well, elite journalists can kiss my ass because all the dude did was make a joke. Yes, I know he works. Uh, we all know he works for Mr. Johnson of Johnson & Johnson, a pharmaceutical partly, a pharmaceutical company. We all understand this. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the fact that the media can absolutely not even joke around anything, anything, I would have liked it. Captain Dave said Mr. Pfizer can't comment right now as Taylor Swift is currently sitting on his face. William Megna says Aaron Rodgers, employee of Johnson & Johnson Air, calls Travis Kelsey Mr. Pfizer. Loved Rodgers on the field, not so much off. Vaccine saves lives. And, 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 and liars don't. Okay. All right. Okay. My bad. We're, we're not allowed to even make jokes. My, oh, shut up. That's what I got to say. Just shut up. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but this is kind of breaking news. The Patriots, speaking of Bill Belichick, remember the guy C.J. Jackson we talked about in his $82.5 million cornerback contract that was a healthy scratch for the Chargers, and then he got a speeding ticket, and a, a fast, fast, fast speeding ticket. He got on probation, didn't show up for his probation. Uh, this clown has been traded to the New England Patriots. Uh, I think I'm reading here a broken bat and a taped-up ball. I think that's what I read. Yeah, uh, C.J. Jackson has been traded to the Patriots for a broken bat and a taped-up ball. How happy, serious business, how happy is Tom Telesco and the folks at the Chargers to get rid of this pain in the ass? Yeah, that's right. How happy are they to get out from under this clown and his $82 million of stupid? I'll tell you how happy they are. They're incredibly happy. They're monumentally happy. They could not be happier because you don't need $82 million of stupid hanging around. All right? You don't. I'm sorry. All right. Let's take a look at Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is the coach of the Bengals. Zach Taylor, young guy, got to make sure he kisses the backside of his best player. Who is his best player? Well, it's not Joe Burrow. It's Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase famously said the other day, hey, look, I'm always effing open. Always. Always. Well, Zach Taylor, the ass-kissing coach, said, I thought he was outstanding. You love the clip. I didn't totally understand the question he got asked. I don't know how I would have answered that. It shows the confidence he has that I'm going to get open and win, and when I get my opportunities, I'm going to do something with it. I love that. That's not what he said. Hey, what he said. Well, at least that's not the clip. The clip is, hey, I'm always effing open. And – Guys that are in this clowns, of course, every wide receiver now is a clown. We must, we must go to every wide receiver postgame to get the jackassery. We must have jackassery from wide receivers. And if we don't, 
well, damn it, we're not doing our job and they're not doing their job. He didn't say all this. Dude said, hey, I'm always, nope. All right. You are? Okay. Yeah, sure you are. All right. Well, and just once I'd like to see a coach say, you know, I'm tired of my players being jerks. I'm tired of them being fools. I've had enough. Just one time. It would be like, I would love to see a coach say, you know what? We just lost. It'd be nice if Jamar Chase just shut his effing mouth about himself and got about the team, threw himself into the team. That would be nice. And then Jamar Chase would whine. The media would come to him. He would have to, you know, act like a tough guy. His agent would get involved. He would demand a trade, which would start a whirlwind, which would end with Zach Taylor being fired from the highest paid job he'll ever have. So you cannot do it. But I wish one would. Like, at some point, like, Belichick got to have F.U. money, right? I mean, McCarthy got to have F.U. money. They've been making millions and millions for years and years and years for crying out loud. Tomlin got to have F.U. money. By the way, I like Tomlin. I really like Tomlin. I don't know what changes he's going to make to the Steelers this weekend, but I just like the fact he's like, yeah, college coach, yeah, we got to make changes. We stunk, and we got to make changes. Speaking of not stinking, Tom Glavin is going to join us. That's right, the Hall of Famer. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some, was Trevor Bauer? Oh, I don't know. Was Trevor Bauer misused? Was Trevor Bauer abused? Will he be back in? We'll see. We'll also talk about payrolls not making it with Tom Glavin next. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, in my world, growing up in Gary, Indiana, and being a lifetime Cub fan, I got to tell you, it was Fergie Jenkins, Kenny Holtzman, Milt Pappas, Rich Nye was in there as a starter a little bit. Those were my guys. And then as I grew up and was in college and TBS was on my television, I did not like the Atlanta Braves because I thought they were boring. They were no good. And then, ladies and gentlemen, here they came. The Cubs made the ridiculous decision to get rid of freaking Greg Maddox, which I still cannot believe. Tom Glavin emerged as a Hall of Famer. John Smoltz became, came over in a trade for Doyle Alexander. And the Braves were must-see TV, ladies and gentlemen. The Hall of Famer, Tom Glavin, joins us right now. You guys did. I'm sorry, but I don't know how old you are. I'm 61. I was in college like 83, 84. Cable TV just showed up. Me and a... An IU legend named Uwe Blop. We used to sit naked after we worked out in the summer and watch Brett Butler and the Braves. And the Braves weren't any good. And then you guys show up and they were great. It made my life better. So thank you. 
Well, I appreciate it. Uh, no, look, when I got to the big leagues, um, the only reason anybody came to a Braves game was to see Dale Murphy play. We were not very good. Um, you know, we were losing 100 games a year, so uh, we were not must-see TV at that point in time. But, um, you know, we had a lot of guys uh, in the minor leagues that were, uh, um, you know, big draft picks. And, and, you know, Bobby Cox was the general manager at the time and revamped the minor league system. And it seemed like we all kind of got there about the same time. And, you know, things took off in 91. And then, uh, you know, we had guys like Maddox and, and some others along the way. And uh, it was pretty good for, for a pretty long run. It still is. You know, seriously, like, I know probably, I don't know the history of the Braves. Once you guys got done, I, I kind of moved along. But now, God dang, this is a hell of a lineup. What, what are, in Atlanta, or former players, what, what do we got here? We thinking World Series or bust? Is this team that kind of good? Well, I mean, listen, um, you know, I hate saying World Series or bust because I guess it gives you the, yeah. the the notion that you've had a bad year if you don't win the World Series. But, uh, listen, I, it's like I tell people all the time, you get into the postseason, uh, what's scary about the postseason is short series. Um, you know, over 162 games, the best teams are going to rise to the top. In a short series, that's not always the case. You get a hot pitcher or two and you're in trouble. And, and you know, that's the danger of the postseason. But I will say this, I would not, if I was a betting person, I would not bet against the Braves. Uh, they're just too good. Now, um, you know, li- they're a little banged up, unfortunately, with the pitching going in. You know, Max Fried uh, was on the IL with a blister the last two weeks of the year, and hopefully that's going to heal. Charlie Morton has a finger issue, and um, there's speculation he may or may not be ready for the second series if they get that far. But um, look at this team's been built on offense. They're, they're, their season offensively was historic. Uh, you know, they tied the most home runs in a single season with uh, Minnesota. Uh, their first inning runs have been unbelievable. Their run differentials have been unbelievable. So they're built on offense. But, um, you know, having said that, postseason is a little bit tougher to score runs. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hey, I want to move it to Otani. You were a terrific athlete, fantastic hockey player. Uh, that Otani, now we see he's going to be injured again. Should he pitch? Should he pitch ultimately in his career? You know, it's, it's so hard to say. I mean, you know, I know people get their feathers ruffled when you say, well, he should do one thing or the other. Um, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not driven so much by the injury aspect of it. It's unfortunate that he got hurt. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of those things that, for him and his ball club, whoever it ends up being, uh, I think that's a decision they're going to have to make. I don't, I don't think there's any question that as good as he is right now at both of those positions, that if he focused on one, he would be even better at that one position. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It, it's, um, I would say, probably more so on the pitching because it, it's really hard, I would think to do all the things you need to do as a starting pitcher and prepare for your next start and do all those things all the while you're, you know, DHing or playing the outfield and hitting four other days a week. I mean, it's just a lot. So uh, I don't think there's any question he would be a better pitcher if he didn't hit every day. But, um, you know, that's for, for him and whoever to decide that if he focused on one thing, which one is he going to be a better at and be more valuable to his team at? You know, it's funny. I have a good friend, Tim Belcher, longtime big league pitcher. 
And he used to come over to Indiana when I was uh, assistant basketball coach for Bobby Knight. And I'd make fun of him. I'm like, oh, shut up. What do you do? You pitch every five days. He said, hey, look, train with me one of those five days. So I was in shape. I said, all right, I'll spend the day. I lasted 40 minutes. I'm like, this is not exactly what I thought. So that's your point. But let me ask you this, Tom. Does it factor in, given the money and, and all that, does it factor in for a guy like Otani that he just likes doing both? Oh, no question about it. I, look, I think they're, uh, you know, obviously this elbow injury throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into what his offseason is going to be like. I don't think there's any question had he finished this year healthy and was good to go, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to get the biggest contract in baseball history. Um, now, again, that's one of those conversations. You might have a team that's willing to go after him but say, hey, you know what, we only want you to hit or we only want you to pitch, and that could be a deal-breaker for him. Um, I would suspect it might be at this stage of his career because he still uh, is doing both aspects of the game at a pretty high level. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that that would have been uh, a part of the conversation um, had he been been healthy. You know, now I don't, I don't know how this – how this elbow injury factors in, right? I mean, Tommy John doesn't scare a lot of people off anymore. I mean, I know, heck, you see the Braves, you know, the Braves a few years ago made a trade for Max Freed when he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery and look at him now. So, um, you know, I don't think it scares teams all that much anymore, but, you know, obviously he's not going to be able to pitch for a year. I don't know what that injury does to him offensively. I know with Bryce Harper, for example, uh, it took Bryce a while to come back and still be able to hit. So I think those are all things that are going to muddy the waters a little bit as it comes to Otani this offseason. But uh, I still think there's going to be plenty of interest in him. There was an article. I'm going to switch gears here again. There was an article about the difference between Trevor Bauer and the difference between Kobe Bryant. The NBA never suspended Kobe Bryant years ago when he went to trial, uh, actually went to trial for rape. They didn't suspend him. Did baseball treat Trevor Bauer fairly? You know, I, I, it's a good question, and it's one that I struggle with. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know enough of the details um, of Trevor's situation to say emphatically yes, one way or the other. They, they, they did, they did the right thing or did the wrong thing. My thing is always, you know, it, it's such a, it's a delicate balance, and it's a delicate thing when something like this happens that. Okay, and, and let's say in Trevor's case that, um, and again, I know something came down recently. I don't know the details of it. But let's say in a case with Trevor where, you know, you find out that there was no wrongdoing. Well, that's that's a, essentially a three-year suspension that he's not getting back. He can't get that time back. He can't go back in time and play, and, and, and be three years younger and play. So, you know, I think, I think there needs to be a little bit of a conversation about, you know, how we handle these things because in the end there is a chance that, you know, the guys that are being accused didn't do anything wrong or, or they get found to not do anything wrong and you can't get that time back. So I'm, I'm not sitting here and suggesting that I know the answer, um, but I just feel for guys when they, when they get into a situation like that, uh, you know, it seems like the, the, the knee-jerk reaction immediately now is, oh, we have to do something because it's, um, you know, it's kind of a hot topic issue, so to speak. But you know, again, the flip side of that is, well, what happens in the end if there was there was no wrongdoing found to have been done? You can't get that time back. And and I, like I said, I'm not smart enough to, to tell you what the answer is, but I think there needs to be a discussion about it. You know, it, it's interesting because on a broader 
spectrum, the question then becomes, okay, the prosecutor didn't charge Bauer. Uh, he, he, he settled whatever lawsuit. Nobody paid anybody. He admitted no guilt. Uh, so I personally, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, I, I, would, I would sign the guy. Would you sign a guy? I mean, if baseball said, hey, look, because it seems to me, and, and you played in an era where it really wasn't like this, it seems to me the court of public opinion is dictating more than the presumption of innocence, if that makes sense. No, and, and I think that's, that's a good point, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to get to uh, and didn't have the words for it, so to speak, when you get into these situations. Look, nobody's going to condone any of that stuff, right? I mean, if, if guys, if somebody does that, then, you know, they deserve the, what goes along with it. But I think we've seen uh, in, in, in our world now where sometimes those accusations are made and they don't quite turn out to be true, but the court of public opinion is what it is. And, and to your point, it, it's, you know, that's almost become the end all be all. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, again, Trevor's been gone now for three years. I know he's been playing over in Japan. I don't have any idea how he's done over there or whatever, but listen, when, when all this went down, he was, he was a, one of the better pitchers in baseball. So, you know, assuming he's uh, healthy and, and still able to pitch at that level, um, I would think somebody would be interested in taking a, taking a flyer on him and see if he can go out there and help their team. But it's going to have to be a team that's prepared, like you said, to take on the court of public opinion because, you know, even though nothing's happened in this situation, uh, there's still going to be people to think that, oh, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have a player like him just simply because he was accused of something. Yeah, you know, let me ask you this. You, you, I don't know you. I mean, we've talked, and, and, and but it seemed to me as I followed your career, and like I said earlier, I loved you, Matt, Maddox and Glavin and, uh, excuse me, Smoltz and, uh, and Merker and the rest. Of, yeah. But you all seem like family guys. You all, you all seem like guys that really weren't going to put yourself in that position. But let me ask you, for a guy that is young, for a guy that is, you know, hey, he's just out there being a young dude with a high profile how weird is it? How difficult is it on the road? How, how much are people coming at you, particularly women? I, I, you know, I, how is that life? Well, listen, I've said it more than once. I would not want to be playing any professional sport in today's world. Um, you know, listen, the money's great. <laughs> you know, it always gets better every generation. Uh, but the things that guys have to deal with today uh, it's off the charts, you know, I mean, you can't go anywhere without somebody having a camera. You can't go anywhere without somebody videotaping, you know, it's getting to be more and more where you can't go out places without people knowing who you are. And they're trying to goad you into a situation that gets you in trouble. So, um, it's difficult, you know, I mean, I know in my day, listen, it was, you know, you could go out after the game and have a beer with the guys and for the most part, stay out of trouble. Every once in a while, you're going to have somebody that's going to come around and, and, and want to stir something up, but um, you know, you walk away and you leave again in today's world. Uh, you know, a lot of those things are, are premeditated, right? It's like people see that, Hey, there's a group of guys over there that play for whoever let's turn the phones on and let's send somebody over there and try and stir something up and get those guys going. And, you know, it happens, right? So I think that's why you see a lot of guys that's play today. They never do anything. They never leave their hotel rooms. They never out in public. And, and I can't say that I blame them. Um, but you know, even in my day when it wasn't, uh, cell phones everywhere, you know, you'd still run into the occasional situation where you're out to dinner with your family and somebody wants to, you know, sit down and, and basically have a conversation with you when you're, you know, you're out trying to have dinner with your family. And, you know, those things can get hard to deal with. So you imagine a situation like that now, and then as soon as that starts to escalate, there's, 
five or six cell phones that are videotaping and you can see where things get out of hand in a hurry. So it, it's a, it's a difficult world to navigate now for these professional athletes. And I don't envy that part of it. You know, one of the things, doesn't it come down a little bit it, it, going back to Bauer of trust? Like I, I, I you know, I, I would sign him bottom line. If somebody said to me, uh, you know what? Yes or no. My answer would be yes. What would yours be? And wouldn't it come down to trust? Like, I got to trust I'm not dealing with this situation again, right? Or is that unfair? No, I mean, I think you have to have a level of trust, right? If you're going to sign a guy like that, but that, you know, again, whether it's warranted or not, fair or unfair, he's going to come with baggage. But so as an organization, you have to have that trust level that you're not going to deal with this again, right? Now, I think that Listen, we're, we're a society that's full of people getting second chances, right? So, again, if this guy is – if he's healthy, um, he's throwing the ball well, I got to believe that, um, you know, looking at the other 30 teams in baseball, uh, there's got to be a, a team out there that could use him as a number three or four or five starter. I don't think there's any question about that, uh, assuming, again, that he's, he's healthy and throwing the ball well. But um, – yeah, I mean, I like to think, like I said, that we're, uh, you know, we're a nation of second chances. Uh, I mean, and even in a situation like this, you know, but yeah, you have to have a certain level of, of trust from that individual that this isn't going to happen again. And I think that's where, um, you know, conversations and, you know, sitting down with him over an extended period of time and, and kind of seeing where his head is at and, and getting to know him a little bit better if you're an organization and you don't know him to, to gain that trust level. Yeah, I think it would take a while for me to hire him. I, I need to look him in the eye, and I need to see what he is all about. And the baseball part would – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but baseball the, on the field, it always weeds itself out. Water finds its level with baseball. You're either, you either are or you aren't, and maybe you start up here, but eventually you're going you're gonna to level off to where you are, correct? I mean, in baseball more than any other sport. Well, that's why you hear that cliche or that saying all the time that, you know, the numbers on the bubblegum, that back of the bubblegum card don't lie, right? Because yeah. those numbers are there for a reason, right? <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have years where there's outliers, right? You're going to have a guy that has a career year, and that's why it's called a career year because you've never done it before, right? And you're going to have some bad years every now and then. But for the most part, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've always maintained that particularly when it comes to baseball, you know, the hardest part of baseball is to is to become consistent, you know, and 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 there's so many ebbs and flows and, and adjustments that go on in that game that the guys who reach that level of being consistent, that's the greatest luxury a manager can have. When you know you can you can pencil this guy in for these stats year in and year out, that's when you've really put your your feet on the ground and establish yourself. But that's the hardest thing to do. But once you get to that point, yeah, there's there's you know, there's a, there's not a huge variation in what your numbers are going to be from one year to the next. Like I said, they might be a little bit better one year. They might be a little bit lesser one year, but for the most part, they're going to be kind of right in that sweet spot. Once you've established yourself as a consistent guy. How ridiculous is 40 70? <laughs> well, I mean, again, like I say all the time, when you talk about somebody who's doing something that nobody in the history of the game has ever done, that's usually a really good thing. Now, every once in a while, it's the other way, right? But for the yeah, most right. part, it's a really right. good thing. But I mean, I think, look, Ronald, Ronald Acuna is just a really special player. Um, you know, I think that uh, we were starting to see glimpses of what he was two years ago, and then he had the knee injury. And, and you know, he played last year and was healthy, but 
not healthy like he is now. I think that anytime you go through a significant injury as a player, you might still be out. You might be back playing, but it takes a while to trust your body. It takes a while to trust that it's going to hold up and you can do the things that you know you can do. And I think that was the case with Ronald. Ronald had a good year last year, but I think this year you're seeing Ronald two things. Number one, uh, he was he was uh, you know on a little bit of a vengeance tour, so to speak, to show that he was a better player than he was last year. But I think more importantly, he trusted his body this year, and and you know to go out there and do what he did was was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, I I've always I mean I've I've looked at I'm not surprised by the 40 home run aspect of it because I think Ronald's always had that kind of power and that kind of hitting ability. The 70 stolen bases is a little bit of an outlier simply because it has stolen bases just have not been a part of the game for the last five years. So, you know, with the rule changes this year, I don't know how much the bigger bases really played into it, but I think it gave guys the notion that it was going to play into it. And I think Ronald was one of those guys that maybe bought into it a little bit early and then had some success and he was like, okay, well, Hey, I can do this. I can steal some bases. So, um, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. The only guy I can think of that was remotely close in my day was Ricky Henderson. You know, he was a guy that could take you deep to lead off a game or he could steal a base from you. But, um, you know, I, you know, I've heard, obviously, doing Braves games, I do a lot of games with Jeff Francoeur, and Jeff sees the Braves a lot more than I do. But, you know, I, I agree with his statement that he said, you know, there are a lot of guys in the game that can do some of the things that Ronald can do. There isn't anybody in the game that can do all of the things that Ronald can do. He can beat you a bunch of different ways. Does time factor in? First time ever, you know, I'm seeing a clock. You can only throw over, what, a couple times, and then the clock's running down. How much does that help base stealers? Um, I, you know, I think that only throwing over twice um, is is certainly a part of it. Um, you know, because let's face it, you know, you know, you, as a pitcher, you've got to be careful about how many times you throw over, right? And and so, you know, again, in my day, you know, we tried to control the running game either by holding the ball or slide stepping or throwing over to first. You know, even holding the ball now is difficult because you got the pitch clock bearing down on you. So. You know, it, it, right. it, the element of being able to control the running game has gotten even more difficult. So I, I would I would suspect you see more guys maybe next year start to work on a slide step and try to be quicker to home plate to try and combat that. Um, but I think it's all played into it. Look, I think the um, I don't most of the rule changes they had this year. I've really enjoyed. I have. I've enjoyed them both both as a fan and as a broadcaster. Um I don't love that one. I, I, I feel like there are, you know, like I get, I think Max Freed with the Braves is a perfect example, right? He's got a phenomenal pickoff move. He's really hard to run on because of his pickoff move. But when you limit him to how many times he can throw over, that takes away that advantage from him. So um, I don't necessarily love that side of it. But listen, I am, uh, I, I will be the first one out there carrying the flag of the pitch clock. I think it's done more for baseball this year than anything. No. I mean, it's made it a much better product to watch. Hey, I've kept you too long, but I got to ask you. Now, I was a kid, but when I was when I was playing for Coach Knight, Bobby Knight at Indiana, I remember being on the court looking at him as he's saying stuff to referees, and I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe he just said that. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. You, you know, if you're in the street, you're going to get – was that ever a thing with Bobby Cox? Like, did you ever sit there and go, holy hell, Skip? I can't believe you just called that guy that. I can't believe you said, you know, that kind of thing. 
Yes, uh, we've seen it a few times, but I think that's what you know. That's what everybody loved about playing for Bobby, right? He was going to fight tooth and nail for everything he could get and every advantage he could get. And uh, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we, maybe we had some calls go our way because an umpire didn't want him coming out of the dugout and have to deal with that. So, you know, that's all part of the gamesmanship. Again, that's probably one of the things I don't love today uh, with all the replay that's in the game. And, and I'm all for getting calls right, but it's taken that that aspect out of the game. You don't see very many. Uh, manager rejections anymore um, and, it, and it's a part of the game that that's kind of been lost but you know if it if it's sacrificed uh, in 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 the face of making sure we get calls right I'm okay with that I'll, I'll I'll give up the managerial thing but you know Bobby fought tooth and nail for everything and and again that's why we loved him but yeah there was more than one occasion where he said some things to an umpire that you're just kind of like going oh my god I can't <laughs> but you know that's how he was that's why we love them. Like, I love the Lasorda, Bobby Cox, Earl Weaver back in the day, just ripping uh -huh. ass. You know what I mean? Just just crushing soul. Tom, I could talk to you all day, man. I've kept you too long. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us. This has been great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Now, that's my pleasure. That's the Hall of Famer. 305 wins. I don't know if anybody's going to win 305 games now. Now starters go four innings and their arm hurts for a month and a half. I don't know. I, I Look, Tom Glavitt, you knew. See, here's the deal. Here's what I loved about growing up, knowing Fergie Jenkins was going to pitch, Kenny Holtzman was going to pitch, or going to the Braves-Reds game by Bloomington, and you knew if Tom Glavin was a starter, Tom Glavin was going to pitch. It wasn't like, all right, Maddox or Glavin or Smoltz are the starter, and you're only going to see him for three innings. No, it was going to be whoever it was against that guy, Fergie Jenkins, against, I, name a guy, Steve Carlton. I mean, that to me as a kid, I remember going to 1976 on my birthday, August 17th, 52,000 people to see Mark Fidrich pitch in uh, Tiger Stadium. And he pitched a one-hitter. One freaking hitter. It was a one-to-nothing game. Bruce Kim hit a home run. I'll never forget it. I was a kid. I was 13 or 14 years old. I was 14th birthday. And I'm like, this is awesome. So you weren't going to all of a sudden. If Glavin was going to pitch, Glavin was going to freaking pitch. Like, hey, Tom, you're still on there. Hey, Tom, did you ever tell Bobby Cox, look, go F yourself. I'm not coming out of here. Leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> Because yeah, I, mean, no. I was just on a rant. I don't, know, I don't know if you could hear me. I was just on a rant about how if I went to the Cubs game, and, and, and I did. Glavin was pitching against whoever. I knew it was going to be you against that guy until one of you got hit or certainly didn't walk out in the fifth. No, I mean, let's, it, it's, you know, there are a few times in my career where I didn't get to the fifth inning, but that wasn't because I didn't want to. <laughs> it just right. wasn't going well. Right. But uh, no, I mean, it, look, right. it's a different generation. It's a different generation now, right? I mean, and, and I don't fault, I don't fault the pitchers completely. Um, you know, listen, I've got a young son that, that grew up playing baseball. He played college ball. He's playing minor league ball now for the, for the Nationals. And, and I've seen it. You know, these kids are brought up today. Um, on the notion that, you know, first and foremost, which drives me crazy is, you know, okay, you can play on our team, but you're going to be a pitcher only. No, I don't like that. I want guys yeah. playing other positions. I want athleticism, right? But that's the world we live in. These kids are brought up today. They know that the only way they're getting a college scholarship or they're getting drafted is by what the radar gun says. And it has nothing to do with pitching. You know, you can, you show me, uh, 
you show me a guy that throws 95 to 100 miles an hour and 99% of the time I'm going to show you a guy that doesn't know how to pitch, you know, and, and that's the problem with these kids today. They're, 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 they're going solely on velocity. They're not learning how to pitch right at a young age. And, and this is what I talk to kids about all the time. It's like, listen, you're a kid in high school and you're throwing mid nineties. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of guys out because you're better than them. But sooner or later, you're not going to be better than everybody. You need to start learning how to pitch, change speeds, throw a curveball, whatever the case may be. You're not going to always be able to rely on your physical ability of just being better than everybody else in the field. That That's going to level out the further you get in your, in your career. So learn how to do those things. But I think it's twofold. Number one, these kids don't learn how to do it. Number two, I don't know how much of it goes on in the minor leagues because let's face it, you're, you're, you're going to be hesitant to take a guy who throws 98 miles an hour and, and say, hey, why don't we throw 95 and learn how to throw the ball to the corners or learn how to throw the ball up and down in the zone or learn how to change speeds? Nobody's going to want to mess with a guy's stuff because they feel like, well, if you do that and he doesn't have success, then everybody's going to ask questions. So, you know, and, and, and again, once these guys do get to the big leagues, they're being told that they can't flip a lineup for the third time. No. They can't go out there for the seventh inning. So, you know, to them, six innings in their mind is great because that's what they're being told is great. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is just a mindset about how they go about it. So I don't fault them all completely for it. But, uh, you know, it is one one part of the game that, as you know, I guess I'm probably a little bit curmudgeon about. I try not to be one of those guys but I can't stand seeing starting pitchers go five innings or four innings or having an opener or any of that stuff. I just, that, that part of the game drives me crazy. Yeah. I don't blame the pitchers. I, I don't, I, I don't blame them. They're, they're taught what they're taught and the, the goal is to get to the bigs, but man, I think it hurts the fans. I swear, Tom, uh, I can, I can remember this day you were pitching in Wrigley and we're like, Hey man, uh, we were, I, I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I I was working for Coach Knight, so he was out of town, and I called a couple buddies. Let's go watch Glavin pitch at Wrigley. And you knew you were going to pitch. I can't remember how the game went. Hell, I'm old. But you knew you were going to pitch. It wasn't going to be like one time through the lineup and whoever the Cubs were starting. It wasn't going to be. And I think that's bad for the fans. and, And maybe the fans don't even know that existed. You know what I mean? Maybe younger fans don't even know that that was a big part of the game and why you went to a game. You know, maybe they don't. No, they don't. I mean, I think they, they, you know, you tend to forget from generation to generation, right? And, and I think today's yeah. generation has grown up on, um, you know, you, your starting pitcher gets to the fifth inning or whatever it is, and then here comes the steady flow of guys coming out of the bullpen. And, and you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a way of, the, of life right now for baseball that I think uh, today's baseball fans have gotten used to. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll, it'll go back the other way. But, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see it going back anytime soon. No, I don't either. And I, that's why I like watching Kyle Hendricks. I kind of call him a little bit of a poor man's Maddox. He, he, he doesn't throw it crazy hard. Seems to stay in the game. I was there when he pitched the Cubs into the World Series, and he was phenomenal, and he went probably seven or eight. And, you know, what does he throw, 90, 88? I don't know. And it's, I don't know. It's fun to watch. I'll tell you this. It amazes me. It amazes me. I don't know how in the world guys hit 100 mile an hour with sink on it, but dudes can hit 100 mile an hour with sink. That to me would be like hitting a 16-inch mush ball and breaking your bat in your hands. But guys can do it now. Players are good, man. They're good. They're no, good. No, they are, and they don't look at. They don't. They're not. They're not intimidated by velocity anymore. Because listen, as much as we talk no. about pitchers 
growing up and it's all about velocity. Well, that's what these guys are growing up hitting in high school and college. So velocity doesn't bother them anymore. But, you know, listen, having said that, I, I remember listening to conversations with, you know, Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews on the on the bench in spring training talking about guys who threw hard. And the, the, even back then, they'd tell you, we don't care if a guy throws hard because if that's all he's throwing, sooner or later, we're going to time it and we're going to hit it. So, you know, that's where the art of pitching comes in, right? That's what Warren Spahn used to say. Hitting is timing. Pitching is upsetting that timing. So, you know, that's that's where a guy like me had to, what I had to do, right? I didn't throw 95, but I had a good changeup and I had a decent movement on my fastball so I could make my fastball play a little bit up by being able to throw off-speed pitches over the plate. But, um, you know, again, it's a little different generation, right? We used to We used to pitch the contact, and if you got to a point where you could strike a guy out, great. Now the mentality again is every if if every pitch isn't a swing and a miss, you know you immediately hear commentators on TV talking about oh well his swing and a miss rate today is way down or the foul balls are up or they're putting balls in play and it's like well so what if he's getting out who cares? Right. <laughs> I gotta I, I've kept you way way too. Why'd you always wear your hat high? Like I always pulled my hat down over my eyes and but your front of your hat I could tell if you were pitching by the way your hat was. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I don't think I just didn't like it down too far, but, um, and there was probably, it probably just got up there because, you know, typically I'd have a bad first inning. So I'd be, you know, fixing my head and wiping my head, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. So it just kind of, <laughs> it just kind of settled up there. Yeah, I mean, I swear to God, like, I, I okay, Glavin's pitching. I could tell by the hat. You know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Tom, thank you. Thank you very my much, pleasure. man. Hope you'll come Enjoyed back. It. See, see right there. Look. Maddox's hat is a little bit flatter. It's always the way it was with you. And your head is a little more straight up in the front. It's know. unbelievable. I can't explain I it. I don't know. But I right. had more I Thanks, had a better Tom. face Appreciate to look at. It. Greg was trying to hide his face. Yeah, that's hey, that's your answer, and you're sticking to it, and I support there you go. that. That's right. I'll support that with you. That's the great right, Tom Glavin, man. 305 wins. You too, Tom. That's 305 wins. I don't know if anybody's going to get 305 wins, but I know this, man. They were fun to watch. Glavin and Smoltz and Maddox. All right, we come back. I got a ton to get to. That went way too long. I'm sorry to all of our producers, but there are just some dudes that I can talk to forever, and he is one. We haven't gotten to What the Hell Wednesday yet. And hold on, I got a bunch more. Let's go. Let's get to a break. We'll be right back. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers at OutKick? Find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Yeah, I don't know about you. I know the YouTube chat loved Tom Glavin in the interview. I, I thought it was really good. And how about my boys? How about Ryan and Dylan back in the clubhouse getting pictures up, showing the hats? I mean, hey, look, to me, sometimes, you know what? As a buddy of mine was walking into the shower and another player on our high school team looked at his wee-wee and said, who are you going to please with that? And my buddy, the great Harry O, said, myself. Sometimes you gots to please yourself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of crazy, speaking of insanity, it is. What the hell, Wednesday? Here we go. Get ready to cringe. There they are. What the hell? 
Wednesday. Let's go, boys. Keep the cuss words out of this one. Let's show number one. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Just move. Man, you all are crazy. Now close that gate, it won't come back in. Hey, hey, whoa. Man, are you insane? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. I'm not doing it. I am running. I don't know what I'm doing. But even watching that, when I get nervous about heights or animals, I get a tingling. It's weird. I get a tingling in my thighs. It is very, 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 very weird. It is. It's just like, man, what, what are we doing? All right. You know what happens. We get in a bar. We get drinking that high jump juice. And next thing you know, let's show it. Let's show the next one. Why? Why? Like, why? You know, all right, let's talk about this real quick. Can we? There are some things that you do, and the result may be worth the risk. All right, there are some things you do, and the result may be worth the risk. I mean, think about it. Think about it. You're going and you're going to fly. You got wings or you're jumping off a cliff or you're whatever, and you get that feeling of adrenaline. But I want you to watch this clip again and tell me what would the best result for this guy have been? What would this guy, go ahead and show it, what would this guy have gotten out of this? Well, I got the answer. He's going to be on more crazy clips which eventually leads to being on our show. But, hey, look, I get it. A guy wants to skateboard down something. He ends up falling down four flights of stairs. He's trying, you know, to, to I don't know, his craft. He's, he's excited. Well, but this guy here, um, this guy here, he, he's got nothing. There, there's, there's, there's nothing. I'm sorry. There's absolutely nothing that this guy gets out of this. And I don't know. All right, let's show you the next thing. Guy loses his phone. Watch this close call. And he doesn't even know it, seemingly. Look at this. Like, it looks like the back end of the car, the back bumper, ran or was above his, like, I don't know, maybe was above his ankle. I mean, what the hell? Like, you know what? I get it. Phones are important. Phones cost money. There's a lot with phones, but you got to put yourself in a better situation than that. And I don't know why we're doing that because, well, we're just stupid. We are just stupid. Yeah. And this guy, you got Dave Raynard. You're exactly right on the, uh, on the YouTube chat. The guy gets to get himself on the DD show. And let's be honest, that is a major accomplishment for a guy willing to do this. All right. There are warnings and then there are warnings, but I don't think there's no amount of warning that can 
get you ready for what you're going to see here right now. There is no warning for this. Let's show the next one. How about that? Can we slow this down a little bit? I got to see what happens here. That's a car going through the house, right? Isn't that? What is that? What the hell is this? What is that? It's got to be a car, a rock slide. Holy smokes, that's a boulder. That's a boulder. Whoa! I was going to say, so you're just sitting around, you're upstairs apparently, uh, and next thing you know, uh, well, you know what? It looked like a meteor when I first saw I'm like, is that a car? Is that a meteor? No, it's apparently... Uh, a rock slide. Wow. What the hell Wednesday. Like, there's nothing you can do. You got to see that thing coming, don't you? You got to see that thing coming down the hill, and you're like, everybody, get out of here. But you know what? You really don't anticipate anything coming through your house. At least I don't. Now, I lived on a, uh, you know, I've lived in different houses, and I had a ranch house that was on the corner And you know what? Somebody, I guess, could have, I don't know, been drunk and come through and gone right through the house. But I don't think you ever really think about those things, do you? I don't don't think so, but that's a freak show. All right, next. Oh, C, 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 C. All right. Just a happy couple, going to go get married. Now, let me explain something to you. I learned a very hard way that floors of garages are very slippery. A good friend of mine who was a big old dude was at my house. We were having a party. We actually had a basketball tournament. We had a keg. There was a two-on-two tournament. I invited a bunch of my friends and their wives, and we just had an all-day cookout, played two-on-two basketball. We made a big deal about it. We had a clock. Uh, We had the Pacers announcer come over, and all right, well, as the evening went on and people had more and more beers, we had a keg. A big old friend of mine who was a football player, not UT, but football, F-O-O-T ball, our American sport in England, did a keg stand, and he was falling, so I joined in to help prop him up. Feet slept, uh, went out from under me. I hit my head because the concrete garage was so freaking slippery. I hit my head. I looked at my wife. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to bed. I'm done. Took a shower. Went to bed. It was about 9 o'clock. She still talks about it because, frankly, she had a deal with all these clowns. I'm telling you right now, right there, you're going to see the wheel. It just slips out from under because the floors of garages are slick. Period. This isn't a jagged, you know, asphalt road. Anyway, I don't know, but I will tell you that I help any way that I can. So never go into a bar, never go in our garage. Never, when you see water, just stay away because you're going to fall, even, ladies and gentlemen, if you are on a motorcycle. True story. Hit my head hard. I thought I had a concussion. And you know what? I just said, I'm not doing it. I'm going to bed. All right, what's going on here? Look at this reflection. 
This reflection is a little bit creepy, I think. Here's the next one. Look at this. What are we doing? Like, what in the hell's going on here? Oh, wait, I missed one. Hold on. I missed one. Fafo TV. Let me see that again. Oh! You good? Yeah, I'm good. The flip, the catch, the fall. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Nothing to see here. Just my package. Just my undercarriage in a, in a twist. Just my nuts in a twist. No, he's not good. All right, let's go to the next one. This is creepy, this next one. This next one's a little too creepy for me. I don't know what to make of this next one. Roll the next one. What's that? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Hey, we'll just go to the last one. Do we have the last one? Okay. No, no, no. We're good. We're all good. All right. I got a bunch of stuff to get to here today. Uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar was carjacked and held at gunpoint in Washington, D.C. Second congressman to have a problem. Another one was, well, had a knife. Did you know that carjackings are up 105% in Washington, D.C.? I saw that on the Today Show yesterday morning, and it had to pain legacy media to actually paint that picture. I could tell that Hoda and the gals on uh, Janet Guthrie or whatever the hell her name is, I could tell they didn't want to. They didn't. They didn't want to really get into that because, well, let's be honest, legacy media leads far left, and that makes everybody look good. All right? Yeah. Hey, the point of it is this. Crime is out of control in our country. We got to do something about it. And if congressmen are not able to be safe, then, ladies and gentlemen, who the hell is it? Media coverage, according to, uh, I guess, Tim Brando, appeals to the lowest common denominator. What's Brando saying here? Let's give a listen here to long, 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 long time broadcaster Tim Brando. To the lowest common denominator in media and just making it about race are completely missing the point. Uh, 75% of the players that are uh, in college football are black. Uh, The fact that there are black coaches, uh, black head coaches, uh, that was a battleground conversation with the Black Coaches Association years ago, which which I'm happy to say Spencer Tillman and I were on the forefront of, and we're talking about it for years while we were at CBS. but Dion's doing this, uh, and it's not, you know, to say that Colorado is certainly black America's team. I mean, that was on four or five different websites that you'd, you would figure it might be on, politically slanted. But then you saw, uh, I think, a few sports websites go in that direction, too, legitimate websites. And I think that's just, um, that's appealing to the lowest common denominator. To make it about race is to, in my opinion, gloss over uh, this amazing, historic run that that Dion has had. And regardless of the outcomes of the game, both at Oregon 
and the loss at home to USC, which we can get into a little bit later, the specifics of it, uh, he's already won. I mean, he has. Uh, they are still the most talked about team in America. Uh, they're not ranked, and they don't deserve to be. They're not ranked in my poll that I just put out this morning either. But my goodness, the turnaround here is off. Well, he's right about all of it. I mean, that's what we get. You go to ESPN, you got the lowest common denominator. Look, Dion has one. Well, how has he won? Well, he's won by making Colorado football relative to everybody. And I'm including white people in that. I'm including networks in that. I'm including college coaches in that. They're all paying attention and how he did it. I'm including recruits in that. High school coaches. You know, agents, which you have to deal with. Now, Deion Sanders has one because of that. But here's the caveat. He's got to continue winning. He's got to continue winning on the field. And that ultimately is what is happening and what has to happen. You can have all this, and as we all know, these things go away. If you win, Victor goes to spoils, and it continues. If you're average in the next couple of years, this will all go away. You know, John Thompson made Georgetown America's black basketball team. There's no question about it. He even said, I'm not recruiting white dudes. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is very simple. You won, so we paid attention to you. You won a national championship. You had Patrick Ewing. Once Patrick Ewing left, Ellen Iverson came in, and we paid attention to you. But once you started losing, and once Georgetown wasn't at the level that Georgetown was under Patrick, or maybe even under Iverson, then frankly, people just went away and found the next thing. It's what we do. Will people gravitate towards Deion Sanders flipping his damn near his entire roster? I hope so. Look, I'm not all for, when this is your job, when this is something you've worked your lifetime for, I'm not all for acquiescing to 18 to 22-year-old kids. I'm sorry, that's not me. Maybe that's you, good for you. But as I always say, 340 million people in this country and everybody's different and everybody can think differently. But I'm doing what Deion Sanders did. If I got a bunch of guys that aren't going to help me win, I don't give a damn, get out. There's place for you somewhere else. So absolutely, I like what Tim Brando said there. I, I really do. I think what Tim Brando said there was terrific. I think he's absolutely right. And that's what ESPN plays to, the lowest common denominator. We want the lowest common denominator. All right? Here's an interesting thing. Let's go to ESPN. A bipartisan committee has sent a letter to the NBA. Listen to this. In it, Congressional Executive Commission on China asked it to ban the use, listen to this, and sale of apparel made by forced labor. How about that? Furthermore, they requested that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver educate himself, learn about the sad reality of genocide. This is in response to, well, really, it's in the response to Ennis Cantor Freedom. And his crusade, which we proudly support, according to ESPN, by bipartisan committee sent a letter to the league. They asked it to look at the use and sale. It asked the commission to learn. The commission is comprised of members of Congress as well as White House appointees. The letter spelled out in no uncertain terms. They want the league to no longer sell branded merchandise made by forced labor or with cotton from Xinjiang. Good for them. Look, we're so hypocritical in all of this. We're mad about the live tour, but the NBA just moves along. And of course, one of the reasons is because of race. Of course, people are always, when you criticize the NBA, they always go to race. They always do. They always will. And that's just the way the world works.
All right. It just is the way the world works. And we here at OutKick, we certainly hear on our show, we say, hey, we judge people by the content of their character, whether that's Chinese, great. Whether that is Nike, whether that is anybody, great. Fantastic. But that's what we do, and that's what we will continue to do. So there you go. I'm just saying. Uh, Derek Rose, he of the crazy family members, uh, feels fortunate to team up with John Morant. This is interesting. And Memphis says he isn't on the Grizzlies to babysit the young superstar. Well, given the proclivities of sacks and ridiculousness that Derrick Rose and La Familia have always participated in, I got to tell you, if I'm looking for a babysitter for John Morant, I guess the pickings are slim in the NBA, but it ain't going to be Derrick Rose. Let's hear from Derrick Rose. Let's hear his nonsense. I'm not going to tell you everything that we talked about, but uh, same thing like I told, I could beat around the bush a little bit. I'm not here to babysit. I'm not here to babysit, micromanage, or any of that. I'm not here to be a plant, a plant in the locker room, or any of that. I'm here to help guys win. I'm not here to steal minutes. I'm not here to steal nobody's job. Um, I'm here to win. Yeah, there you go. That's a pretty good answer, and good for him. Uh, he is there to be a mentor, I would guess, of sorts. And hopefully Rose is the kind of guy that, because of his actions, gets things done need to babysit, but hey, you can show the way a professional does things, and that includes off the court as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, woke uh, dope is all the rage in this country. The world is insane. Everybody wants to see what Dylan and Ryan and uh, Nick and everybody's going to come up with. Let's bring it, baby. What's numero uno? Give it to me. There it is. Look at, look at Camilla there. Look at that beautiful hunk of woman right there. Yeah. What we got? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, George Washington and his wooden teeth would not be happy with the direction of our country. And they certainly would not be happy with the imbecile in chief. As he walks by the portrait of George, George had an out-of-body experience and had to take his looking like his left hand and put it up to his face. This is a real picture. This actually happened. It was in the Louvre. No, it wasn't. Stop it. It was in the Smithsonian. No, it wasn't. Stop it. This is Photoshop, but you get the point. The point is real, yo. And GW is not happy with sniffing Joe, and neither should you be. If you vote for this idiot, keep it to yourself, because I'll make fun of you. Next! This I like. Let me tell you something. This is awesome. Now, let me ask you. We see the commercials for this bad boy, all right? And I'm sure people that use this bad boy are, well, very happy to use this bad boy. But if this was actual, if this really has happened, if this is what this clown, the imbecile in chief, uses to get onto Air Force One, would it, one, help sales, two, hurt sales? Not sure I know the answer to that. I'm not. I don't know the answer. But I think I do. I think it would help. If I was going to be totally honest, I think it would probably help. Probably. I think. I'm pretty sure. But I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. 
I wouldn't buy it just because that guy endorsed it. And I have very strict policies against, well, people that shower with their daughter when they're 30 or whatever it was. Next! Oh, my God. This is somebody, Greta Thornburg, that I've never understood. I've never understood how in the hell the world got so jacked up that we gave a rat's ass about some 14-year-old who was sad over climate change. I don't care about Greta Thornburg. I don't care even a little bit. And anybody that does should be embarrassed. Anybody that paid attention to that little clown when she was like 14 screaming and yelling and acting a fool and putting her in front of Congress or wherever the hell they put her in front of Parliament or whatever. And if you paid attention to that, then you're a damn fool. I don't respect you. Get out of my life. It's that simple. It's that simple. And when she is 110 years old, when she is no longer somebody, for whatever the reason anybody pays attention to, she probably won't have teeth. She'll be a gummer. I was a gummer. I didn't have front teeth for a while. I had to put a thing in. I didn't like it, but I did it. What are you going to do? Anyway, great stuff, Nick. Great stuff, Nick, too. Great stuff, Ryan. Great stuff, Dylan. You guys are fantastic. The folks on the YouTube chat just continue to destroy it. Uh, I need more likes, if you do not mind. Uh, You guys are awesome. Jan Tudor, Lick, Otter Creek. Uh, Leonard Arnold Jr. Uh, Jan Tudor, I already said, One Nation, Underground, uh, JPG Rules, Craig Matthews. I like to name the folks here. If I've missed you, of course, earlier, Kevin Wolf was on. Of course, Gritty uh, was on. Sean Black, Old Glory, Van Pasterman. You know, we had a great crowd today. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. I have a go potty. We'll see you tomorrow.